Hey everyone, this is Joey. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to briefly address a couple of things really quick. First, as we mentioned during the episode, we actually recorded this episode a week ago on Tuesday, June 9th, with the intent of editing and getting it published by June 10th. Unfortunately, in the time since then, the pandemic had other plans and it ended up taking much longer than intended to get this fully published. Apologies for the delay on that or any items of news that might have come out in the time since that we're not able to address here in this episode. We will address those in a future episode. Aside from that, I wanted to point out ahead of time that this episode is going to dive pretty heavily into our takes and opinions on the recent protests that we've seen regarding police brutality and the systemic racism that continues to live in our society. Hopefully our stance on those issues is of interest to you, but we also recognize that this is a podcast where we normally talk pretty exclusively about sports, and some folks may not be interested in hearing any socio-political commentary here. I'll say this during the episode, but just to reiterate, we have numerous black listeners and recurring guests on the show, and we feel it's important and really imperative to show support for them by discussing these issues. Not to mention that it would be tough to discuss some ACC-specific stories that are pertinent to these issues without first having discussed our own views. I'll also reiterate ahead of time that this is unquestionably the toughest episode of this podcast that Mike and I will ever record, and we hope it's received in a positive light. All that said, if you're someone who's not interested in hearing our thoughts on the recent events within the world, just know that we do move into some ACC football-specific content relevant to those current events around 16 and a half minutes after the music starts here in just a few seconds. Another ACC news and notes discussion will start around 48 minutes after that music starts. Uh, and we'll include those timestamps in the description for this episode. With that out of the way, we hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, go ACC! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, it's been like four weeks, pretty much on the nose. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Are you hanging in there? Coronavirus is canceled. Racism is not. I was going to say, thank God the pandemic is over. Um, oh, yeah. Nobody's sick anymore. We've moved on to the next thing. On to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, put on the news and you'll see we're on to the next thing. Oh. <laughs> uh. People aren't going to hate us if we come on here like once a month and make, you know, try to make jokes about current events, right? Like it's... I know, I know. That's not going to send the wrong message, is it? Uh, well, I mean, if it does, it does. But the way I look at it, like, look, the virus is still out there. Be safe, wash your hands, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the news cycle, and this is part of the problem of something we're about to get into here. Um, the news cycle always seems to just kind of move on to the next thing. And sometimes you just can't simply move on to the next thing, Um, which is why we're going to dive into this initial topic, which is kind of going to guide us through the remainder of this podcast. That is correct. Uh, Once again, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the current events and potentially politically active podcast. Just kidding. We are an ACC football podcast and we, we always have been. We always will be. But as Mike mentioned, um, in, in light of current events, we felt it was important to at least start this episode um, kind of giving our perspective and giving our, our takes on some of what has perspired in society over the past couple of weeks, especially, but certainly in the month since we last spoke with you here in early May. Um, 
of course, as as you're aware by now, what you're what we're referring to are some of the protests that have been going on nationwide and even around the world in response to the the murder of George Floyd uh, by the Minneapolis Police Department, and and ultimately what we wanted to make clear was our kind of where we stand on this. We felt like it is our duty to um, make a statement and make it very clear where we stand and and you know, who we support. Um, and, and ultimately because then we need to talk about this in terms of some of the ripple effects it's had within the ACC and the ACC's football programs. Um, we feel like ultimately Mike and correct me, I, I don't mean to speak for you, at least in this case, a lot of times I do, but not in this case, we, we feel like we probably can't give a responsible take on this, uh, at least on these individual football programs. And as it relates to ACC football without first telling you, the listener, how we feel about this topic and kind of where we stand. Does that? Yeah, I think I think that's totally fair. And I think, um, yeah, like you mentioned, we usually don't have a problem speaking for each other. But I think with this topic in particular, it's really clear that both of us kind of make our thoughts and feelings on this just real clear. And it's not going to be this isn't going to be a discussion that's easy, obviously. And um you know, it's something we're trying to it's tr- something we're trying to approach and address because we feel like, um, number one, it's our responsibility to do so just like morally. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's important that we approach this. So, um, yeah, that's that's really kind of all I all I have. to Absolutely. Begin. Yeah. So, so just to jump in. And, and the first thing that I think we need to make very clear, um, if if you guys weren't aware before now, um, both myself and Mike are white men. Quite white. Very white men. Um, and we, you know, a lot of times we will tell jokes about that, but ultimately what that means in this context is that there are a lot of people that experience a lot of pain and suffering and the, the effects of systemic racism that continues to live in this country that Mike and I as white men are not subject to. And that is a, a, a tough thing oftentimes to come to terms with. Um, and it is, it is, a, it is a, a hurdle that a lot of folks have to clear is that as a white man, you know, you do not experience this country in the U.S. and really in the world in general in the same way oftentimes that folks who are not white men do. And that's, that's women, that's people within the black community and several other minorities. And so I wanted to start by saying we recognize we are white men and any amount of um, understanding that we have of the experience that others have is only ever going to be so much. And it is going to be limited. And we, we acknowledge that. And we really want to make it a point. If, if anybody wants to have this conversation with us, we, we invite that. We want to listen and learn and understand the experiences of those who don't fall under that demographic so that we can do, do more to support you in the things that, that you do have to endure within our society. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, that's a fair statement. That kind of, number one, I mean, just morally speaking, like, I'm very anti-crime. Um, yeah. I and I don't think that's a white versus black versus brown versus women take. I mean, this is just I'm I'm the son of a retired law enforcement officer, right? Um, 
So you somebody have an extra, who, extra unique take on this whole thing. Right. Um, I'm very anti-crime. Um, and with that comes something that is, I think, especially important to convey here. It's that nobody's above the law. And what happened and what transpired um, with George Floyd is completely and totally unacceptable policing, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, George Floyd, you know, he had a criminal background. He had a criminal record, and people have alluded to that. Uh, but that doesn't mean he deserved to die while being apprehended. Those are two completely different conversations. Um, for fake dollar bills. Right. Like, for counterfeit money, you don't deserve to die while being arrested. Like, Agreed. Point being, I'm very anti-crime on a number of levels. I don't believe that George Floyd should have used counterfeit money um, to try to make a purchase. I also don't believe he should have been killed uh, while being arrested or questioned uh, for said dollar bills. Or, in this case, had his neck knelt on. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where it killed him. Um, this is just unacceptable. Um, and I think that you can you can be pro-police and be anti-bad policing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a totally reasonable take. Um, I, you know, I, I understand it's a very difficult job that these people have to do. But I yep. also know that not a single person has been trained to police that way Mm -hmm. um this is and you know when i say that my dad's retired law enforcement so is my uncle uh, my mom's brother and um that's actually how my dad met my mom (laughs) my dad uh worked with my uncle and you know my uncle mentioned to uh my dad on the phone last weekend he said Bill, I must have missed the part of our training where we were supposed to kneel on people's necks when we were arresting them. There are a lot of my my point is there are a lot of good people out there trying to protect the American public. Mm-hmm. But like any profession, there are a handful of people who do not do their job very well. Mm-hmm. And that's an understatement in this case. Um, the one thing I the one thing I will say is that you know police officers and firemen and first responders, et cetera, they're seen as, you know, groups of people. And, you know, we've seen it with this COVID pandemic too, like groups of people who are kind of larger than life, right? They, they go beyond the call of duty and like in 90 plus percent of cases, that is, that's great. And we should honor them as such. And I'm fully behind that and supporting the military and police and first responders and healthcare professionals and everything. Absolutely. But, but my, my point is at the end of the day, we're all people, mm-hmm. right? And people make mistakes mm-hmm. and people need to be held accountable for their mistakes, Joey. Mm-hmm. And the lack of a, initial accountability here is what has driven people to these protests in numbers i have never seen in my lifetime mm-hmm. i have never seen protests to this degree we're, we're and, watching history be made in front of our eyes i, I believe that right are. now we are and there is a lot of good that's going to come out of this and i really believe that um 
there's unfortunately a lot of bad that's come out of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been losses of lives. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been losses of business. There has been stealing and looting and rioting and crimes being committed. And the people doing those things should be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. And mm-hmm. there, there is no excuse. I don't care what the situation is. There is no excuse to break and enter into a business, to steal, to loot, to kill people. There's no excuse. Um, and if you're defending that, any of that, whether it's killing, whether it's stealing, whether it's rioting and harming people, if you are supporting any of that, shame on you. The bottom line is, Joey, we all need to be much better to one another and and be better people. Absolutely. That's that's the bottom line. And um, what I want to say is, and this is kind of like kind of my closing thought on all this. And I know we had kind of bullet points we wanted to walk through because <laughs> we wanted to make sure that we address this appropriately. Um, but I got rambling, and I, I feel like I'm being semi-coherent, so I'm going to continue here. <laughs> my final my final point is that we all need to be better. We need to treat people better and treat people well. And this started as a race issue. It's going to continue as a race issue, mm-hmm. and, and rightfully so. And I understand that completely. Um, I, I'm not somebody who's experienced that, like Joey mentioned off the top. Like, I'm white. Like, I'm, I'm never going to fully understand. But to the extent that I can, I get it. Um, but this goes beyond race. And I think a lot of people need to understand that. At the end of the day, we need to be better to each other, regardless of color, religion, you name it. We mm-hmm. got to be better people. Um, we're living in a society right now that's very hostile. And it's just not the way to live. Like, we got to be better to each other. And I think treating people with respect and holding people accountable and ensuring that nobody is above the law will go a long way to maybe not fully fixing all of these issues, but it would certainly be a start at the very least. And I think that's, that's somewhere we need to get to here um, in the not so distant future. Cause otherwise I think we're going to be in a very bad way for a long time. Well, and, and just to add on to that for just a second, to make sure that nobody's above the law, that includes law enforcement. Yep. Law enforcement is also not above the law, you know, and, yep. and, and I think the point that you made in about accountability, that's one of the things that's really been stuck in my mind for the last couple of days is I think that's the thing as much as anything that might be lacking here. And really in any high performing organization, and we can kind of start to draw this back to football whether it's you know the company that I work for, the company that you work for, one of these football teams in the ACC, a police department, anything, any high-performing organization should have a good sense of accountability, and that's that's really it. You know, is I, I completely believe that police officers should be able to defend themselves. What that officer did to George Floyd was not defending himself; that was murder. Like that's, and so that's that's the thing yep. I, I I completely agree, and, and I think we need to consider you know is that's that's the thing that is really really important to make sure is instilled is a sense of accountability um a couple more points i want to hit on before we can move on and talk specific acc football um mike one of the things i wanted to make sure that we call out is one of the other reasons that we felt like it's really important to address this on our podcast we have numerous black listeners to this podcast want to make sure that we acknowledge that recognize them and, and we support them at the same time, we also have numerous recurring guests who are black. Um, 
folks that we we want to make sure that we have you know it's clear that we have your back we support you we you know we we want to see the end of systemic racism and, and police brutality is just a piece of that and, and it, I just want to make sure it's clear that we are we support you in that and we we stand with you on that issue hundred percent and and if it haven't made it already clear um, just again not only the death of George Floyd here just a couple of weeks ago but also those of Breonna Taylor. Ahmaud Arbery and several other members of the black community, either at the hands of police or of other just generally racist members of society, I, I want to make it very, very clear, those those acts of killing those individuals, taking those lives from those members of the black community, that is disgusting to me. It is, it is not acceptable. And again, in terms of accountability, the folks that have done those things need to be held accountable. And not just the police officers in Minnesota that have been charged with crimes, but the police officers in Louisville that have not been charged with crimes and the killing of Breonna Taylor, the the three individuals in Georgia who murdered Ahmaud Aubrey, right? Like the folks that are, are co- conducting these crimes need to be held accountable in a court of law and justice needs to be served. And yep. I don't know that I could make that any clearer. These are acts of racism. They are hateful acts. And I, I've said it before, I will say it again, there is just an unbelievable, obscene amount of just baseless hate in this world, Mike, that just, it it bothers me to no end. And it is the reason, honestly, that I, I try to avoid the news as much as possible, is I can't, I can't make sense of it, and I, um, I, I struggle with what to do about it. Um, yeah. You know, we talk about, we need to treat each other better, and... A lot of times, where my mind goes is we could we could make this into a, a bit of a religious ploy, right? You know, in Christianity, you have the golden rule: um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, other religions have something very similar to that. Pretty much all of them do. But Mike, I could tell you right now. Uh, last thing before we transition into football, I can give you an example of this that is not religious. Um, are you familiar with the motto of the Hard Rock Cafe? I, I wasn't expecting this. I am. Love all, serve all. Yep. I kind of like that. I do too. And I think that perfectly sums it up. Absolutely. So with that being said, love all, serve all. Let's talk ACC football now as it relates to some of these current events. And and Mike, there's a couple of programs that we want to hit on in particular, two of which in the ACC have been kind of at the center of some of the, the ugly side of college football and kind of how the... Um, the ripple effect has come off of this. Um, and, and I didn't really know which order I wanted to address these in, but let's start with Clemson, the team that is coming off of a national title game appearance, has made the playoffs several years in a row. Um, there have been a lot of stories that have gone around in the last probably week and a half surrounding Dabo Swinney and his current or former coaching staffs. Um, coming from current and former players, arguing about different stories that did or did not happen, words that were or were not used in the locker room, you know, that were racial slurs and things like this. It's It's been kind of hard to follow. It's hard to, to what to make of it. What I do know, Mike, is that there were a lot of rumors flying around um, Dabo, I don't know that he made necessarily an initial statement. There was then a weekend picture of him wearing a Football Matters shirt as these Black Lives Matter protests were erupting throughout the country that, 
you tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems pretty awfully tone deaf to be, you know, if nothing else, not giving the credence to the Black Lives Matter movement by wearing that shirt. Uh, but if nothing else, is is pretty tone deaf at best. Um, finally, on Monday, June the 8th, we got a statement from Dabo trying to clear the air and, and make clear their statement. But needless to say, Mike, does not seem like Clemson handled this as well as they've handled most anything else in the last how many years uh, from a football standpoint? Yeah, I mean, my uh, my initial thoughts on this is like, it's incredibly tone deaf to speak that way, right? There's a matter of respect that you have to have for people who are protesting, even if, you know, number one, you don't want to vocally support it 100% or you're not comfortable with it, or, I mean, that's your prerogative at the end of the day. But at the very least, like, don't disrespect what others are doing if they believe that's what's right. Especially um, members of your own team. Right. So, like, my whole thing with all this is, like, if you think the right thing to do is protest, protest. If you think the right thing to do is, you know, support, you know, foundations and movements to, like, end racism you know, do that. Like if you're, if you think that it's simply just treating people better than do that, I mean, whatever you think is right, try to do that. And, and that's been my, my whole thing. If I'm Dabo, like, what are you accomplishing here? Um, by wearing that shirt, like, what are you accomplishing? It's obvious that, I mean, <laughs> you don't need to take a look at Clemson's roster to know what a majority of the players are right they're african-american young adults like it's pretty much every roster in the acc um and in, and in, a majority across power five football um yeah and a lot of strong group of five schools and they're going to be more and again it goes back to what we were saying off the top like i will never fully understand and that's okay in my opinion um it's it's not a slight it's just i simply will never fully understand but that doesn't mean that i can't try to get it get where people are coming from mm -hmm. and i think for Dabo, like he needs to cross the bridge of okay we're living in a world of sin because i'm a christian which and i'm a christian by the way and i i understand what Dabo was saying but didn't it, it doesn't compute with people who are living in the here and now and dealing with this on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of what it boils down to Dabo as a leader of a bunch of you know really young up-and-coming you know successful people because that's what a lot of these players are at clemson they're really successful young athletes and so much more than that um but that's the start of what they are at the very least they're they're very, very good football players, and he's leading very good football players as one of the best coaches in the country. And being in that role, he has a responsibility to represent his players to the best degree that he possibly can. And that's the role of every college football coach, to represent your players and your university and your football program the best you can. And it's my personal opinion that due to Dabo doing some things that were tone deaf he failed his team in mm -hmm. that regard that's just my personal opinion on it um i think there was a better opportunity to um 
I want to say this probably doesn't do it justice, Joey, but meet his players in the middle. Um, kind of understand where they're coming from, even if you will never fully understand as a middle-aged white male. Right. And that's really that's really what it boils down to. And I'm telling you right now, this is the hardest podcast we're ever going to do. 100%. I, I'm just 100%. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. If I've offended anybody, I'm sorry. I really don't mean to. I'm just trying to I'm trying to do this the best I can. I, re- I really hope this episode is not the end of us. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think it will. I mean, I think I hope not, but we'll find out. I hope not. Yeah, we'll find out. Anyway, anyways, um, yeah, Dab Dabble needs to meet his players in the middle, bottom line, and he just didn't do. And I think he failed his program in that regard. It, to me, it's a simple act of do do something, do more to show support to the guys on your team, and 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 that's that's just like leadership, right? That's just basic leadership. Is you have a whole bunch of folks that look up to you that are being impacted by something and, and that are overwhelmingly being impacted in one, one way on one side of an issue. Why would you be wishy-washy on which side of the issue you want to take? And by the way, if, if we want to really put it bluntly, the issue is racism. Like, are, are you pro-racism, Dabo, or are you anti-racism? Like, can we just, like, make that real clear? And, and yeah. why do we have to take several days and take awkward pictures and all this stuff before that's right. really clear, like clarifying, like right? And wear a t-shirt and not like actively condemn it. And and yeah. look, like in a lot of cases, like if you're not saying anything, this is the other thing that's bothered me about this entire thing. To be quite honest, Joey, is like if you're not saying anything, that doesn't mean you are or are not a racist. Maybe you're just not comfortable saying anything, and that's mm-hmm. fine. But as a leader of men. A guy who is in a very high-profile position, he has a responsibility to outright come out and say, I condemn racism. Mm -hmm. Even if it should be obvious, the entire point of this movement for the black community is that there's not enough people saying, I condemn racism. Or or, or having actions that say, that, that support that they're condemning racism. There's not enough of that. And... You know that's a that's a major major point of this entire movement. And mm-hmm. Dabo, as a high-profile college football coach, to put it lightly, needs to understand that he has a responsibility to do so. It's different from the responsibility of you and I, Joey. Like I, I but, don't necessarily if I if I put out a statement about this, um, it's not going to move the needle. It's just not going to move the needle to the degree that it's going to move the needle with Dabo Swinney, who's coaching 90% African-American kids on a year-over-year basis. It's just not going to have the same impact. He's got a and couple more Twitter followers res- than you have. And he's <laughs> – yes. And he's got a resp- <laughs> and he's got a responsibility. And yeah. I, I just – you got you to gotta be – you got to be a better leader is what – it boils down to and yeah i i don't think i think Dabo meant well i think he missed the mark and was incredibly tone deaf yeah i feel the same i feel the same way about drew Brees. yeah i think he i think he meant well uh, you know personal feelings and a lot of people are going to disagree with this but personal feelings i don't necessarily disagree with what drew Brees said from his standpoint i understand what he's saying but it's incredibly tone deaf mm-hmm. um and i understand what is happening on on the other side of this with why this is so important. I get that too. You can be on you can be on a couple different sides of this and be anti-racism. Mm-hmm. And just don't be tone deaf. Just use your head. Yeah. That's all I ask. 
and I, and I hope that nobody's screaming back at their radio right now saying, "You use your head." Like, what are you saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, just there's plenty of that, but I, it's just I, pulling back the curtain just for just a second. Like, as Mike mentioned, this is about the hardest episode that we'll ever do, and it, it is 100. It has everything to do with this is not like a topic that we are super comfortable and used to talking about, but there's an element within that, that I, I will say this for myself, but I'm pretty sure I also speak for Mike because once again, I, I usually speak for Mike, but sometimes not, but mostly do mostly do. I am terrified of saying the wrong thing here and, and, Me too. and not necessarily of offending people, but of just giving the wrong impression. I want to make yep. sure that it is very clear what I am about, what yep. we are about and and that's that's all. So I, yep. I I hope that we're giving a little bit of insight into what we are about. Um, and if not, and if not, we're trying. Yeah. Now, last thing I'll say on on Dabo. Um, one more thing that has been made very clear to me very recently, and I, and I think is it, it's it's not that I've just now figured this out, but it is the way that it has been stated or put has really kind of tied a lot of it together. Is that a lot of what's being protested for right now yep. is nothing new. It's the it's same not. it's the same things that have been being protested for for decades. Yep. But what has been kind of so just clearly and and simply put is that it's also very clear that this you know the things that are being protested for and asked for by the black community cannot solely be accomplish achieved attained by the black community they need additional support they need additional support from folks who are white from folks who are asian folks who are hispanic you know pick pick your minority so so that's also where dabo as a white man me as a white man you mike as a white man have the ability to jump in and and support and support our black community and say we we agree with these causes and we are, are with you on this. And, and yep. we want to know what we can do to support beyond just talking into a mic on a podcast. So Yeah. Yeah. What can you do for your fellow man, woman, right. human? Absolutely. Just, we're all part of the this same society. Just what can you do for other people? And this is the issue with Dabo's response or lack thereof is he had a big opportunity to support not only his team, but so many others outside of his team and it seems like that opportunity was really missed and whatever he says at this point is is somewhat diminished in value because of, of how it was handled yep let's keep going mike um another team that had a a mess on its hands as a result of all of this florida state mm-hmm. um, mike now, norvell you idiot golly you you idiot i i can be a little bit i can be a little bit less uh touchy feely beat around the bush with this which i've been trying not to do but it's hard yeah um it's hard it's really hard when you don't want to say the the wrong thing and you want to get your point across clearly mm-hmm. but it's it can be difficult mike so, norvell you idiot yeah this was a, a a bit of an unusual situation and i'll i'll get to there's there's a bit of a subplot here that i'll hit on in a, in a, in a minute but um basically florida state put out a, a statement from Mike Norvell saying, I've had a, a one-on-one conversation with each of the players on our team um, regarding kind of what's been going on and how we can support them. And, you know, it's, it's critical to us that we're able to support our guys, blah, 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 blah. Well, 
star defensive lineman Marvin Wilson sees this uh, and quote tweets it on Twitter and basically just calls BS on it. He's like, I haven't talked to this dude about any of this. He's like, where the hell did this come from? And then Florida State starts to go into damage control mode. And meanwhile, a number of the guys on Florida State's team that look up to Marvin Wilson as a leader and a senior on that team say, yeah, like, like this guy is talking out his ass right now. Like, he, he's making this up. And then there's this whole thing about, I guess Florida State puts out, like, a, another kind of damage control statement. And then a bunch of the players are going to be, like, protesting and not uh, – participating in any sort of off-season workouts for further notice. And then there's like a whole team meeting that happens, and I guess they, they clarified whatever had happened, and then as a result, now everybody's singing Kumbaya, and they're all one cohesive team, and Mike Norvell is once again the greatest. But Mike, the, the big takeaway here is that I think there were a couple of liberties that were taken with the verbiage that was used in that initial announcement by Norvell and the Florida State football team that really were taken the wrong way. And we were astonishingly close, I think, to Florida State firing a football coach in Willie Taggart after two years, spending a boatload of money to do that, spending another boatload of money to hire Mike Norvell, and then before he can even coach, I don't even know if they got a single spring practice in. See ya. And he might have lost that team permanently. Like, Yep. It seems from the outside with the whole kumbaya situation that he got it back, but man, how close he seemed to be to just completely losing that program to where he would never, ever get it back. Yeah, I mean, saying in your statement that you've kind of talked to each player um, and insinuate you kind of did on an individualized basis and didn't really put out a generic statement to your team was misleading at best and just stupid at worst. Um, Mike Norvell saying that just put his put his team in this precarious spot where they're like, like you mentioned, Marvin Wilson, one of the best one of the best players in the program right now, looks at me in the conference like, or country even. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, future NFL player Marvin Wilson looks at Mike Norvell and says, "You clown." I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but like, you clown. I never talked to you about any of this. Um, who are you again? And Tur- why? It, why are you? Why are you my head coach? It turns out um, text messages were sent to each individual player, but that didn't always really result in a conversation, and that was where this whole thing kind of seemed to spiral out of control. Yeah, and um, again, it, it was really interesting. So our buddy, our buddy James Coleman, uh, who we've had on here several times, uh, covers Florida State's on the radio down there. Um, you know, mentioned that, look, like this team meeting's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Then all of a sudden he says, wait a second, uh, the players are boycotting. He later kind of couched a tweet and said, well, they were just showing up late. But like a lot of the players were not thrilled about going to this team meeting. And mm-hmm. can you blame? I mean, after what Mike Norvell said and how it was perceived by his roster, can you blame them? Not I mean, this second. guy. This guy joined the program like you've had limited interactions and limited meetings with him. Number one, you didn't really have a spring practice period. You don't know him very well. And he's coming in saying one thing to the media that you're perceiving is not true. And he's really only coached you for, I don't know, like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme, like you've only had probably a handful of meetings with this guy. So 
yeah, I wouldn't be too keen about going to this meeting either. It's like new sheriff in town, but he's a total dingus. Mm. Like what? I don't want to play for this guy. A racist and dingus. Yeah. A racist dingus. Yeah. Um, so how are we going to uh, how are we going to address this? And like Mike Norvell again, you meant well, but you were being an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like don't tell the don't tell the media you're doing X, Y, and Z when your players don't perceive it that way. I mean, you're trying to make your program look good because of how you're handling a particular situation, which is good because you're supposed to make Florida State look good. That's mm-hmm. kind of part of the job title is head football coach there. But in doing so, you basically lost the team. And mm-hmm. like you mentioned, they had a big kumbaya, this, that, and the other thing. But like, we won't ever really know until football happens, right? This mm-hmm. fall, we hear complaints trickling out about coach said this coach did that um then we'll really know if this thing is fixed or not and i'm really interested to see how this plays out and especially in norvell's case because he's a first-time head coach they paid a huge buyout to taggart and norvell losing the team potentially over a serious civil rights issue before we even play a game is something i didn't have on the bingo card for this year joey yeah no no not at all um i i don't know really what else to say here it it seems like a, an absolute catastrophe was averted but you know there there's a uh, there's a lot of time between now and the season and certainly you know the end of the season so i we'll see but i i don't mean to um, assert that anybody in that program is, is or is not racist. I don't know. I'm just, it, we're just kind of talking about how this was all handled and how it was received by not the, well. Yeah. Not well at all by the players within the program. Um, I do want to, I, I do want to mention for just a second, Mike, while we're talking about this whole uh, fiasco that was initiated by the coaching staff at Florida state. Um, I don't know if you saw this. There was a really great article that was put out this morning as we record this the evening of Tuesday, uh, June the 9th. There's a really great article that was put out this morning by Stephen Godfrey. Um, and it was it was relatively short for Godfrey standards, but it was talking about how it is functionally impossible for him as a reporter to get anything out of any players in any program without that player within reason putting themselves in risk of either, you know, losing playing time or, you know, possibly, you know, hurting their pro potential, all these things, because so many programs are, have such a, an absolute lockdown on any sort of messaging or anything that comes out of their program. And he talked about how this example of Marvin Wilson basically saying, screw it, I don't care, you know, I'm going to, put it out because this is this is my truth this is my belief and outlier yeah i'm calling out this guy for what he is it, it is an outlier but also hopefully it is a little bit of a uh, an example you know it is an, is a precedent for players being able to have a little bit more of a voice than they're used to having in recent years um it is a it is a unique situation the way that it came about but it seems like there could be a lot of positive that comes out of this little this little subplot of everything else that's going on. How many times have we talked about players not having as much power as they probably should? And we've talked about it in a different context with name, name, image, and likeness and whether or not players should be compensated and all that. We've had those discussions on this podcast before. 
I mean, this is kind of what it took for players to kind of be back in control. And I think mm-hmm. now that they're kind of they're in the driver's seat here, don't let go of that steering wheel. Yep. Like, just Keep go going. for it all. Go for it all. Because yep. in my opinion, you don't know when you're going to have an opportunity like this again. So keep, it, say, keep it rolling. Keep if, it rolling. If we weren't already like 40 minutes into this podcast, uh, we might have time to talk about Duke's athletic director and, and Jay Billis's response and all that. If, with things that came out today, this afternoon, as it related to name, image, and likeness. Unfortunately, we're going kind of long here, which is just really shocking to everybody right now, Mike. Um, yeah, us, us going long on a podcast has never happened before, <laughs> except for like the last 200 or so times we've recorded. We go long just about as often as Kenny Pickett's receivers do. As we transition to talk about the Pitt football program. Oh, okay, there it is. That's a, man, yeah. that, that was a professional transition right there. Um, it was. Yeah, one more little example and and I don't I don't feel super comfortable talking about this, Mike. At least in a lot of depth. I think it's worth mentioning, but I, I don't have a whole lot to go with it really. So, as as a lot of these things are coming out and, and coaches are starting to make statements or not, players, current and former, are chiming in on kind of their experiences and what they've seen. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that it was brought up by former. Pittsburgh football player Elias Reynolds, uh, who played under Pat Narduzzi earlier in his tenure. Um, and then it was kind of piled on, you know, agreed upon by Darian Street and Justin Morgan, also former Pat Narduzzi football players at Pitt. Um, a lot of other, you know, potentially racist language, uh, using the word thugs uh, in relation to how they look, um, kind of the way that they held themselves, the way that their hair was dressed, those kinds of things. Um, there was also some issues, I guess it was primarily related to the hair and whether their hair was being cut or not and dreadlocks and these kinds of things. Um, let them do what they want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, not hard. I personally feel like players and people in general should have their freedom of personal expression. I, I think that's okay. I don't think they should be criticized for that, you know, so, um, these things were brought up is that, you know, Elias Reynolds made some allegations and, and a couple of his teammates, former teammates, jumped on and, and agreed and were like, yeah, like I saw something like this, you know, no lies here, whatever. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's also been a lot of other, you know, positive, supportive statements that have come from Narduzzi, from the Pitt football program, from current players. And it should also probably be mentioned that a couple of these guys that we're referring to that have made these allegations were disgruntled guys who left the program not on the best terms and may have an agenda. And I, what do you know? I let's let's address all facts. I'm I don't want to draw any conclusions here. I'm just I'm just stating the facts, Joseph. I'm stating what happened and 2020. You guys can draw your own conclusions. It's, yep. Never people mind. have their own people have their own people have their own agendas. Keep this yeah. all in there by the way. Please keep this all in here because look, listen. People need to understand that we're living in a society where I don't care what way you lean politically, things are slanted. Mm-hmm. So what we present you with are the facts. Um, hopefully. Well, <laughs> what we understand to be all let me rephrase. 
maybe not the facts, but all the information that we have at our disposal, and you draw your own conclusions, right, wrong, or indifferent. Fair? I will absolutely, totally fair, and I will guarantee you this is a, a bona fide Joey Weaver guarantee. Everything I saw here was a thing that I saw and was officially posted on Twitter. So it must be true. I, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. I'm just saying I didn't make any of this up. I'm just right. telling people what I saw elsewhere. And this, right. And all of all of that, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever, draw your own conclusions. There were allegations. There was refuting it. And I, I don't know. I'm not a pit football insider. What do I know? Like, any of this could be true. Yeah, exactly. Jim Hammett. Jim, what's going on? Shout yeah. out, Jim. Let's get him on here. Shout out, Jim. Yeah, so, yeah, no, yeah, it has been. Uh, so what I do know bottom for line sure, is, yep. Elias Reynolds needs to charge his phone. Yes. Uh, what was it, 4%? Uh, maybe. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty uh, slim pickings on the battery right now with quite Elias low. Reynolds. Anyways. Yeah, quite low. Anyway, so uh, there were some players who said that Narduzzi insinuated they needed a haircut and they shouldn't be wearing dreads for whatever reason. Those players also happened to be individuals who were no longer associated with the football program and may not have liked Narduzzi. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. There's also been players on the other side who have said, you know, we support Narduzzi and he's always been great with us, etc. So you got two sides stating something that may or may not have occurred. You draw your own conclusions. That's all we'll say. If... If Pitt, you know, Pat Narduzzi is saying these things, insinuating these things with his players, shame on Pat Narduzzi. Correct. If he's not, and people are making these things up... Shame on the slander. Shame on them. Yeah, like, I I don't know. And who's Don't slander people either. Don't slander people. Don't kill people. Don't hurt people. Don't steal. Um, don't slander. Like, this isn't... I can't believe we need to reiterate this in 2020, but we do. Uh, oh, mo- now more than ever, Mike. Um, yeah. yeah, now more than ever is right. The only thing I can think is that maybe the best case scenario is that everybody's kind of right, but it was all just a miscommunication and nobody meant anything by it. And I don't know. There were issues surrounding Clemson's program handling some of this lately. There was issues around Florida State's program handling some of this lately. And I feel compelled to mention that Pitt also was kind of in the muck a little bit yeah and i feel compelled to mention two things number one the truth generally lies somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. generally speaking Mm -hmm. and number two i think the reason why a lot of programs and coaches and individuals are getting themselves in trouble is because people are so afraid to potentially say the wrong thing that they do end up saying the wrong thing and you know what joey i'm i i'm not immune to it i might be guilty of it on this here podcast so it's Mm -hmm. uh just something worth noting that yep. you know not all of these people are bad people in a lot of cases they mean well but in a lot of cases they also don't say the correct thing and that can be misconstrued and could lead to a lot of backlash i think that's what we've been seeing here lately mike can we talk about a program just for a second like not only handling this positively but even really kind of setting a positive example for not only the conference, but the rest of the country. All right, all right. Let's talk about your yellow jackets, I guess. Well, 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 well. I I would love to, Mike, now that you mention it. Um, 
on the other hand, you know, with, with a few programs kind of struggling with how this is all handled, Georgia Tech, on the other hand, was one of the first, if not the first, uh, major football athletics program to put out a statement in support of student-athletes and of the black community and, and all the protests that have been happening. Um, that was very positive, not only just from Georgia Tech Athletics, but also from Jeff Collins. Um, there was a, an, a billboard that kind of sits over uh, I-85 going right through the middle of downtown Atlanta. 7585, excuse me, is the connector. Um, that had you know a sign of support on it. And it was very, very positive. And you saw a lot of programs and coaches start to follow that example. And, and sure, we can sit here and, and I'll agree. I'm the Georgia Tech guy on the podcast. I, I'm an alumnus and, you know, I, I love that program and that school to death. And so, of course, I want to beat my chest for it. But just from an ACC standpoint, as much as a couple of these programs were, you know, kind of going through the ringer nationally of, of how they're handling this, it was also nice to see an ACC program really leading the way in a positive way and kind of setting a positive example for everybody else. And, and again, I personally love that it was Georgia Tech, but if it were Boston College, if it were NC State, if it were Wake Forest, you know, whatever, having an ACC program lead that charge for the rest of the country I think is a really great thing. Don't let him fool you guys. He's a biased son of a bitch. Go Georgia Tech. Go Jackets. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I don't have a ton to add to this. Um, I also am glad that Georgia Tech, all jokes aside, uh, that they're leading the charge. Uh, Georgia Tech is a fine academic institution, Joey. They are a mediocre at best football program. But they're a fine academic institution. And as such, I love that they're heading this charge and that Jeff Collins is making a positive impact and I hope you enjoyed the jab I made at Georgia Tech football you, you can keep going with the compliments if you want I'll, I'll sit here and listen and just soak it all up so please Meg, p- keep going please <sighs> Um, anyways, I'm, I'm glad. I, yeah. Anyways, I'm glad they did this. All jokes, all seriously. This time, all jokes aside, I'm glad yeah. they did this. I think that it's it's a good thing. I mean, th- there's no other way to spin it or put it. It's a very good thing that they're doing here. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Um, another thing here, and again, personally for your boy, it's great that this is Georgia Tech. But another thing that's kind of come out of this as a, a an immediate result. Um, Georgia Tech put out an announcement that they will be uh, suspending all athletic activities this year on November 3rd, which, as you're probably aware, Mike, that is Election Day. Um, and, and they said, you know, ultimately it is there is nothing more important in our society than voting in our elections, national, local, etc. And so as a result, we're just not we're not going to have any practices. We're not going to have any games athletes are you know free to go spend as much time as they need to to make sure they get their vote in they make sure that their vote is heard um that is something else that has really reverberated positively throughout the athletic community in in college and, and hopefully will be the beginning of a really positive trend that only further magnifies the importance of voting and making sure your voice is heard through your ballot yeah, I mean, I think it's a really positive step. Just, you know, I think, number one, I mean, I think it's our civic duty to vote. That's just something I believe in. Um, but Same. 
uh, I, I think it's something that's really important. But the the other side of this is, you know, I I believe that a lot of a lot of people um, have strong opinions about, you know, name that topic. I mean, it could be mm-hmm. anything, but then they don't do the one thing they can do to voice their like truly voice their opinion and to make a change, and that's to vote. It's one of the strongest. It's one of the strongest rights we have as Americans. So, mm-hmm. um, like I, like I tell people, if you feel informed enough about an issue or several issues, and you feel like you understand enough about political candidates, etc., vote. Mm-hmm. It's it's that's bipartisan, man. Go vote. If you don't believe that you have all the information presented to you, don't vote. I don't want you voting for something you don't believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want you voting for something you don't understand. Like that doesn't do any any of us any good. Yep. But I think in a lot of cases we have people who understand and you know say a lot of really intelligent things, and then they just don't vote. And it's like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you do that if you care yep. as much about an issue as what you're talking about? Go vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why. Not to get controversial, but it's one of the reasons why Colin Kaepernick received a bunch of backlash when he was protesting the American flag. He didn't vote. It came out that he didn't vote. And it was hmm. like, well, you have this you have this strong opinion and understanding of these issues, and they've manifested themselves here. Um, and it's it was the case at the time, and it's the case now, and there have been issues um, between then and now um, over the last handful of years with police brutality. Um, and things that can change for the better. And he didn't vote on the issue. So if you're that informed, which he is, go vo- whether you agree with him or not, he is informed and he does understand and he's, and, and he's done his research, go vote. We want people like you to vote. Please do. Like, if you're that informed about something, go to the ballot. Like, go to the polling station. Cast your ballot. Go do that. So I think what Georgia Tech's doing here is really good. Didn't want to interrupt, Mike. I just want to... Make sure we clarify, Colin Kaepernick was not protesting the flag. He was protesting police brutality. Yep. Just make sure, making sure we are ultra clear about that. I I don't know how much more. Yeah, we need to just keep. <laughs> I, that's Anytime a, a semi-controversial issue comes up on this podcast, I appreciate that we have to. I, I appreciate that we have to reiterate because I want to make sure we are crystal clear. Because you and I mentioned at the top of the show and before we hit record Anything we bring up that we feel like we need to reiterate, let's reiterate it. Absolutely. And that's what we're doing to make our point absolutely 1,000% clear where we stand. So I implore you, please go vote. But I also implore you, please know what you're voting for. Yes. That's so – it's infinitely as important as voting itself. Mm-hmm. Be an informed voter. That's all. All right, Mike. Football. Uh, we have a couple of other assorted topics that are not really related to um, what we've been talking about so far. Um, while we're talking about Georgia Tech, let's just hit on this last thing right quick before we go into a, these other two things. Um, number one, Georgia Tech announced earlier this afternoon they will be replacing permanently their grass, natural grass field, their perfect, beautiful, soft, well-manicured, revered um revered natural grass field with a turf field 
RIP to the miracle on Techwood Drive on that grass. It will it will be very economical because they want to start having like concerts and stuff there in the summer and they don't want to destroy the grass every time they have that. So instead of having to replace the grass twice, three, four, five times a year, I don't know, they can just just have the turf there. That's cool. Otherwise, this is super lame and I'm really mad because Georgia Tech is a world-class turf management team there within the athletic department and oh do they they sure do they sure do um really just trying to show up georgia and all their turf management majors as far as i can tell <laughs> lifelong lifelong bulldogs fan joey weaver chiming in there i at the end i will fight you like yeah so i i don't care what i don't care what they do about their grass but if you're upset about it, i'm upset about it too Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right. So anyways, um, just prepare for things to look different on the field this fall when uh, Georgia Tech is hosting games. And This, this is like when uh, Notre Dame went to their turf. And I was like, man, that's... It feels wrong. It does feel wrong. Yeah. I, you're, you're having the same reaction that I had, so I can appreciate it. I remember watching the first Notre Dame game that was on turf, and I just like turned my head sideways. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not right. Um, no, not right. A couple more things, Mike. Number one. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy didn't die for this. No, no. He, he was he offside. Didn't die. Ru- yeah, I don't know about all that, but he's still alive, oh, so I know he didn't die that. for anything. So, anyway. Uh, Mike, really, really bad news from a football wellness standpoint out of the Clemson football program here in the last week or so. Uh, already having to replace T. Higgins uh, from the wide receiver core. You know, the, the, the leading receiver returning for Clemson and Trevor Lawrence was Justin Ross. Uh, he is no longer returning. And what we mean by that is that he will not be playing this fall for the Clemson Tigers. Um, he had to go undergo a surgery to repair a congenital fusion condition within his neck and spine. Um, not great. No, no, not even close. Um Really bad. This is a potential career ender for a guy who just this morning I was hearing uh, it was about a month old podcast. I haven't had a commute in a while. I'm backed up on podcast content. I'm sorry. But somebody was comparing him about a month ago to potentially like a Julio Jones type of player. And I I, I might have a little bit of, a, of an issue with that. But needless to say, really, really good wide receiver, great route runner, physical, good hands, all sorts of things. And... To see him potentially have his career ended by this, you know, this this condition that he just inherited and people didn't know existed before he had some stingers and spring ball, that is that is first of all absolutely heartbreaking for him and knowing what he he could have had in terms of a career, but B is also a pretty huge blow to the Clemson offense moving forward. In my in my opinion, and people are going to think that i'm insane um justin ross had potential and i'm saying you know there have been a lot of good receivers to roll through clemson um he had the potential to be better than any of them um he was on that trajectory Mm -hmm. um better than sammy watkins better than deandre hopkins certainly better than t higgins um there are a number of receivers we haven't even mentioned and Justin Ross had an opportunity to be better than all of them. So for him to potentially be done with football is 
terrible. <laughs> it's yeah. terrible for uh, the viewer. I have nothing against Clemson, Joey. As you know, like I, I love watching good football, and Clemson provides a lot of that. So and the ACC needs Clemson so so badly right now. <laughs> right, and 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 Clemson Clemson will be fine. I mean, this leaves, you know, in, in the immediate future, like this, as far as like this season's concerned. This leaves some questions at wide receiver, certainly. Um, and I'll tell you what, we were questioning why Travis Etienne would return to school. And at this point, man, you know Trevor Lawrence is really, really, really glad he did. Um, now that Justin Ross is no longer in commission, he's losing T. Higgins. Um, he's got capable wide receivers, but they're younger. So it's just going to be a matter of how he's able to mesh with the younger guys that we haven't seen a ton of yet. And how much of the workload is Travis Etienne going to shoulder? Because, you know, we've talked about Heisman odds. We talked about Trevor Lawrence versus Travis Etienne. They'll probably split the vote, et cetera. I, I would, I would not necessarily shy away from a Travis Etienne ballot being placed. Um, and a little bet, a little wager being placed on Etienne. Um, it might, it might cash in. I would keep an eye on that, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the early part of the season as Trevor Lawrence kind of gets his feet under him with these new receivers. I just think Travis Etienne is going to shoulder a lot of the load early. And sure, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a major role in the offense because of who he is. But this this could be the Travis Etienne show on offense for the foreseeable future. And that's my immediate thoughts on Justin Ross just no longer being in the lineup. But I hope he gets well. I know he had the surgical procedure done. Um, it's a bummer that he's going to miss the year, but I hope he's able to play again because he's so much fun to watch. But more importantly, I hope he's okay just as a human being and he's healthy moving forward. That's what's most important here. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're looking at Clemson coming back next year with Amari Rogers and uh, pretty much a, a pretty much brand new receiving core. You know, any anybody that was a top receiver in this team previously is gone or will not be playing for the Tigers this fall. And so it, yeah, it's throwing the ball occasionally to Travis Etienne. It's hitting Amari Rogers and then it's figuring out some new guys. Now that's the bad news. The good news clubs is pretty good at recruiting. So, Oh yeah. They got talent. They, they got a couple dudes on the death chart that maybe not have seen time, but it doesn't mean they're not very good. Um, that's, that's correct. So we're going to find out how good Trevor Lawrence can make him look as a junior as he really tries to ultimately audition for the most, you know, one of the most surefire number one overall picks that's been in recent memory. Um, so it's, it is not the end of the world. Clemson still very clearly the ACC favorite, still very clearly a playoff favorite, potentially a national title favorite. Um, it's just that, the guys that are really uh, making the whole thing run might look a little different than we thought they would is all. Yeah. I think that's a totally fair assessment. So thank you, Mike, last thing before we get out of here, as we are now just a, you know, just a little bit past an hour, which is usually about where we go. Um, yep. I think it's important to mention before we get out of here and, and just as to, to come out of here on an uplifting note, we talked a couple of episodes ago on do we think there's going to be college football this fall? And and I said, yes, I do. You said you think it would be like in the spring. Um, we have been kind of monitoring the situation, and, and I, I've kind of held fast on my take at least. 
we we've started to get some news here not you know as as the world has evolved and and we've done some more medical research and blah 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 um, we have come across some, some developments and some news and some releases from a lot of these programs within the ACC and across college football of athletic departments starting to put together kind of these three, um, I, I keep calling it round one, round two, round three, but it's phase one, phase two, phase three um, approaches to having their student athletes return to school, you know, begin workouts, begin off-season activities. And Mike, what I've seen so far is that these are done in a way that is, is meant to keep everybody safe and, and make sure everybody is in as good of physical condition as possible. But as a, a piece of that, they're also trying to make sure that everybody is ready to go to start the athletic season on time this fall. There's been a lot of chatter, too, to go with that of, well, how many fans are we going to have in the stands? And I don't have a good answer for that right now, but that's not the important part because I don't turn on the TV to watch the fans in the stands. I turn on the TV to watch the games. Um, and so all to say, um, it seems like, as far as I can tell, we are on pace and we are getting people in place and ready to go to begin the season as planned despite, just as a reminder, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic that continues to uh, exist within the world, even though you might have forgotten by now. Yeah, pandemic still exists, believe it or not. Um, surprise. Yeah, surprise. So, yeah, voluntary workouts are happening. We're learning more and more about the virus every day. Um, a lot has changed in the five or so weeks since we last recorded. Uh, and a lot of promising therapeutics, a lot of progress being made on vaccines. There's a lot of really good stuff happening. Um, there's also still a lot of sickness and death occurring, right? So there's kind of this, this balance kind of that we've been striking. Um, things are better than they were in March, but they're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the most fair assessment I can give. Uh, I believe college football will happen this fall. I believe there will be fans in the stands. I don't know if there will be full capacity. That is a much different answer than I gave the last time we had this podcast. I thought the only way that we would have fans in the stands would be in the spring. A lot has changed since then. Um, not only do I think we'll be playing college football this fall, I think it'll start on time. I think there will be fans in the stands. I don't necessarily believe at the moment it'll be full capacity, um, but I think it's on the table, Joey, um, which is something I couldn't have even imagined, number one, the last time we recorded this podcast, but number two, when this whole outbreak started there in the February-March time frame, the whole country shut down. I couldn't have even imagined we'd get to this point, so... Hopefully things continue to trend in a better direction as we continue to reopen. I know, you know, cases in some states have gone down significantly. In some cases, they've spiked a little bit. Um, there have been protests everywhere, so who knows what the numbers are going to look like coming out of those um, because there's just not social distancing happening. It's just not happening. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll just have to see kind of where this takes us, but it's looking better than it did, mm -hmm. and I think that's that's the easiest way to put it at this point mike i want to respond to one one little thing that you said and i and i i want to make this clear that i at times feel like it is my public duty to throw up alley-oops for other people to dunk on me um and what i'm saying is that when you say that you think college football is going to happen at full capacity this fall maybe with even you know fans at full capacity potentially um I was going to say I, I disagree with that with the exception that 
I do think there's probably going to be some Georgia Tech games at full capacity considering there's not a whole lot of Georgia Tech games that get past half capacity anyways. So there's your lob. Go ahead and, and throw that bad boy down. Oh, but they have such a passionate fan base, I thought. There it is. Uh, something there's like the that. alley and there's the oop. Uh, what do we say about being elite and um, competing? Competition's king, Mike, and uh, developing players for the NFL, allegedly. And, man, there, there's there's a lot, a lot of catchphrases that Jeff, Jeff Collins has used on Twitter in the last, like, 16 months that I could Waffle House. Here. Yeah, Waffle House, yep, yep. ATL, above the line, 404 the culture, all that, yep. About 404 fans in the stands, too. That'd be great. So, yeah, can't wait. About 404 different ways to run the offense is what we saw last year. <laughs> and basically none of them worked. So, That's can't wait for that to be resolved. Small details. Just Yeah, just small little details. Mike, that's all I've got. I'm exhausted. Uh, I, I'm kind of glad we're done with this. <laughs> yeah. This was the most difficult podcast. I've never had to really just, like, think. I hate thinking. So, I don't mean to sound like a lunatic, but I hate, like, having to think this hard Mm -hmm. about sentences about football and Mm -hmm. the intersection of football and race and politics is something I wasn't really... Culture. Society and culture. was not in police brutality, most importantly. Mm -hmm. It's something that I wasn't envisioning. Yeah. um, when really we started ever. this podcast four years ago, yeah, much less. Yeah, ever. yeah, really ever. I mean, I to be honest, like I stopped watching ESPN a few years ago when every single thing, Republican, Democrat, whatever, got politicized. I was like, I don't want to watch this outside of sporting events, mm-hmm. and uh, I still, I still believe that while also understanding that there's a lot of members of um, athletics who are feeling this and are hurting right now. Mm-hmm. So. I understand all that. Um, these are uncomfortable conversations. I'm glad we had them. I hope we didn't offend anybody. I hope we made infinitely clear that we're standing with these people. Um, and, and all of you listening to this podcast, white, black, whatever you are, um, I, I just want everybody to just kind of put their best foot forward. Um, you know, when you get done with this podcast, just try to try to make the world a better place. I think let's start there and and try to see where we end up because the solutions to these problems are not simple on any level Mm -hmm. but i think if we all just try to do a little bit better as a society i think that'll go a long way yep mike can we play a a, just a quick little game to close out here yep just i'm gonna say something and all i need you to give me is a check or no check yep check the box right yep number one racism is garbage check number two black lives matter Check. Number three, we need more accountability within our, our police departments, among other institutions of the government. Just accountability among the general public, regardless of occupation, and including police departments. Nobody's above the law. Nobody. Check. 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 Absolutely. We we support our our listeners and our guests who are members of the black community. We, we support those of the black community that are not our listeners and guests. Um, just, I, I don't know how much more clear we can make it than that. We, 
we do not support racism. We do not support police brutality. We do not support systemic racism, any of that. We are we support you, and, and we want to be a part of these protests. That's we as simple are, as I can make this. We are... We are pro being good people. We mm-hmm. are anti crime. We mm-hmm. are anti racism. We are anti asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey and I make asshole comments about your football program. That's totally different from actually being an asshole in real life. Mm-hmm. We're joking around about sports. We're not treating people like garbage. Those are two completely different things. Yeah, very different degrees of importance. Yes. So. All right, Mike. That's all I got. Are you, are you ready to see the Twitter responses to this episode? At the end of the day, we put our best foot forward and did the best we could. We tried. <laughs> There's going to be some things in here that are going to get nitpicked. I, but... I, I hope we made everything very clear. And, and the only thing I would ask is that if, if something seems off here, um, let's have the conversation. Oh, 100%. Tweet us. DM us. Um, I want to know, learn. Email us. Yeah, like we will have the conversation. Joey and I, uh, let's take this one step further, Joey. If you disagree, if you disagree with something I said or something that Joey said, let us know. We'll try to get you on the podcast to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I'll take this one step further. Um, I don't want anything to be misconstrued here. I want to have the conversation. If If you feel like there's something I'm ignorant to or that Joey's ignorant to or something that we completely misstated or misrepresented, um, let's have the conversation because a lot of people and not enough people, quite frankly, are having the conversation right now. Um, more people than ever before are having these conversations, but a lot of people aren't and a lot of people need to. And we're not immune to that. So mm-hmm. we'll take it one step further. If you want to come on the podcast to discuss, you think we're vehemently wrong about anything we said in this podcast tonight. Let us know. Let's try to make that work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, let's get out of here. Um, in the meantime, y'all can follow us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Send us an email, please, with your questions, comments, concerns, your thoughts on anything we've discussed here to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. You can find us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever we find podcasts are sold for free. And most importantly, Mike, on Anchor. We ask that people check us out there. Uh, Mike, you want to tell me where else they can find us on the social medias? Facebook. Facebook Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Please do. Please do. And if, if you're not really the email and type, the DMs are open. Hit us on DMs. They're way open. They're very open on Facebook, on Twitter, anywhere. Um, again, you want to talk about ACC football? You want to talk about anything else? Hit us up, and we are more than happy to address it in a future episode. So um, please check in there. Um, Mike, I think that's all I got. We tried. We did try. Can I can I leave you just with one little like happy thought here for just a second? Yeah, sure. I looked at the calendar today and I realized we we just had this conversation about, you know, football's probably starting on time. We're not that far from starting team previews. I know. We're getting close. We're basically halfway through the off season. I think more we're than more halfway. than that. Yeah. It's, more than it, halfway. It's gone freaking fast. Mostly because so, we were locked inside and couldn't go anywhere for a while. Yeah, imagine. I don't know how long that was. That might have been a week or a year. I couldn't tell. Yeah. But anyways, we we are getting dangerously close to actual, real, live college football content. So, uh, and you know what that means? That means bringing on people like Norm Wood. 
Oh. If he if he still exists after his uh, just being absolutely ransacked on Twitter by the Barstool gang here in the last 24 or so hours. He's such a good guy, man. <laughs> and he just... Uh, I told him this. So I, I, there's no way he's listening to this. But I told him. I told him this. I said, Norm, you are a really good dude. You brought this upon yourself. Um, <laughs> this was a total okay boomer statement. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to Twitter, go to Normwood's Twitter account, see what he talked about with, in particular, uh, Dan Katz from Barstool Sports and his AKA NCAA, Big Cat. Not, AKA Big Cat, um, and his NCAA football dynasty with Coach Duggs and mm-hmm. the live streaming that he's been doing for the better part of the last two and a half months. Um, Normwood made a tweet that went viral and the poor guy's mentions are an absolute bloodbath. And if you don't know, <laughs> Norm Wood, it turns out, has a couple of other connotations. Um, so <laughs> Norm Wood actually stands for some other stuff, apparently. And you don't have to go far to find them. So go check the replies as soon as you can. Yeah, it's... <sighs> Thank God that words on Twitter don't actually physically hurt anybody. Because Norm would be... Uh fondly remembered if that were the case we'll just say that um mike that's all i got you ready to get out of here it quite literally means yes (laughs) (laughs) let's quit Uh, yeah let's quit while we're ahead and i have a bad feeling we might be even farther behind than we've ever been but yes only one way to find out yep all right well until next time For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.